And now I'd like to just hand over to Brian, who's going to give us a bit of feedback regarding Faith Promise. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Jill. Evening, everyone. So just to give you a little bit of feedback for the missions in Hatfield, how many of you know we've got very active missions? Luke, that's a good show, Luke 10. And uh, Matthew 10 speaks about Jesus sending out people. How many of you have seen miracles in your life? You've prayed for the sick and you've seen them healed. If you feel stuck, come on our outreaches, come on our trips. I guarantee you, you'll see it. You'll see God move. So many of you have been there. And uh, so tonight we want to give, just give you two quick feedbacks. We have the Faith Promise Fund that funds the missions in the church. Many of you are contributing to that fund. Thank you for that. And we just want to give you two quick feedbacks of both the fund and what's been happening. The one is our Bethel Ministries. Bethel is um, a rehabilitation center out the other side of Pretoria. And uh, they've been, they're sort of quite a way out of Pretoria. So they, you know, we have load shedding. They don't have shedding. <laughs> they never have electricity. The, I don't know, it's just they're very remote and it's, it's very awkward for them. And so we help them get off the grid and um, we, we've taken some money out from the Faith Promise Pledge and we've given it to them and we've got them going. So we're going to give you a quick feedback on that and then I'll introduce the second one. Can we roll with that? Good morning, family. For this segment of Faith Promise Feedback, we are here at the beautiful Batal South Africa Farm. And we are here because of a project that we have contributed to as a result of your generosity. With the end of last year's Faith Promise season, there was a surplus amount of which 150,000 Rand was contributed toward um, a project, a solo project of trying to get uh, the Patel community off the grid. And so we're just going to hear some, of, some feedback from Roy in regards to what the project has meant to them as a community and what our contribution has meant to them. Very good, thank you. So Roy, I'm just wondering if you would just, yeah, well, just to share with us what, what our contribution has meant for Batal, meant for you personally. Yeah, no, I, for us it's been amazing. Really. I mean, you just see the, the faithfulness of God. It's been a long journey with all the different issues with the property and to get into a position where we nearly, nearly, nearly off the grid is an amazing uh, blessing and also everything to be safe and up to code if you want to put it like that. So I mean it's, it is a massive achievement that we would not have been able to do without the support. And um, yeah, no, we're very blessed. I mean we're we this close. It's you know we're so uh, much further on. And uh, no we're very grateful for, for you guys partnering with us. And we're excited really because it opens up other things that we can we can do now with the property as we expand and as we get more people and so yeah, now it's all exciting stuff. Eh? I I can guarantee you I know Roy when he's excited that, that's exciting for him. <laughs> <laughs> the British. Okay. Uh, Mel. So last year uh, beginning of last year, myself and Neil Bester, we went up to Greece. We went to the refugees you know, that had come over into, into Greece and into, into Crete. And uh, we felt it would be ideal to send up a team 
Uh, they have an incredible ministry work there, reaching those, the, the, the refugees that have come in, and uh, they use a coffee, coffee bar, it's a bit of a, a coffee bar and a church, and they, they really make an impact with the refugees there. And so we sent out four of our um, theological students, and Mel led the team, and I've also just to give some feedback. It's to Crete. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it was so exciting. I mean, I asked for a camping weekend, and the Lord gave me Crete for 10 days, so that's our God. Um, when we left, we left with no preconceived ideas. I mean, being theology students, we did not take that with. We took God's love. And we said from the onset that we are going to let the Holy Spirit work. That's what we're there for. And the minute we got there, we were just welcomed. I mean, it, Brian said to us, when you go on a mission trip, you have a special anointing. And for us, all of us just decided that our anointing was people just opened up to us. They were just so free and easy, and that's just because we radiated love. And um, that mission base over there, it was like people came there, and they just wouldn't leave. They would linger, and they would come back. And we used to ask them, why do you come back? And they say, they just feel at home. They feel so loved. Now, if you understand where these people come from, they come from hard backgrounds, from Syria and Iran. But they just loved coming back. They loved being there. They loved worshiping with us. Richie taught the one guy to play drums. And um, it was just so amazing. And that was just because we were open to the Spirit and we just gave love. And it doesn't matter if you can't speak the language. We share the same heart. We share the same God, you know. So it's just they were, they were attracted to us in so many ways. And the testimony is the one guy that spoke. He used to interpret for them when they used to have their services. He's Muslim. And he said he's not going to give up Muslim, being a Muslim, but he interpreted all the sermons. And we just see God's going to work in that guy. We had a street mission group going out into the streets to worship. He was the one that rallied the most people to come back to our worship team. You know, so it's just like we've seen God work in amazing, amazing ways just because we were open to the Holy Spirit's moving. So we just want to say thank you once again from myself, Richie, Leah, and Sarah. We want to say thank you for sowing into faith promise. We are making a difference. Thank you, Mel. If you would like to go on a trip, um, you can email missions at hatfield.co.za. Just ask to be put on the database. We'll keep you up to date. We have quite a few trips this year still going up. Some international ones, Indonesia, Zimbabwe, and then we have local ones. Uh, and so there's a, there's a couple. So just email missions at hatfield.co.za. Thank you, Jill. Thanks, John. Thank you so much. Luke, if you'll come up. Um, I just want to pray for Luke. He's going to be sharing a message with us. And thank you for serving in this way, Luke. Father God, we just thank you for Luke, Lord. We thank you for using his life and for giving him words on what to share with us today. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll just be with him and that you'll lead him. Lord, that you'll minister to our hearts. And yeah, Lord, that we can grow in you. Lord, we thank you that we'll never be the same once we've met with you. And so Lord, I pray that tonight will be an amazing time of us meeting with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, that'll be great. Well, good evening, everybody. I must say, um, I, I must just piggyback on, uh, on this, uh, this plug on, on the missions and mission trips. Uh, I myself have been absolutely changed by, thanks, Joel, by going on, on, uh, on trips. I think 20 years ago, I went on a missions trip for 
or 22 years, somewhere there for the first time. And, and I've had the privilege to go on many, many, many. What happens is when you go on a trip like that, you watch God do incredible things, but you watch God do incredible things inside of you. How many of you have been on a trip, local or international? So there's there's a few of us here. Would you testify what the Lord did inside of you when you were on that trip? Hmm? We've just heard the testimony of that. I mean, it's... It is good for you. So I want to put out not a nice invitation, but I want to challenge you tonight to say, Lord, I'm going to allow you to use my life to go a bit further than just the boundaries that we have or the places, the the spheres of influence that I might have. So on, on a local outreach... Uh, it could be to Greater Tswane, or it could be to one of our neighboring countries or provinces, or it could be to really far afield. But that you trust the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm trusting you because I want to see your power move and work in me and through me. And just watch what the Lord does. I've seen some incredible things. What it does is it just puts a deposit in your heart and it just... It does something in your relationship with the Lord and your understanding of the kingdom. We are not here just to come and fill this auditorium on a Sunday night. Would you agree with me? We come here. Thank you, Sam. Amen. Sam's got that duck stem. (laughs) We come here on a Sunday night because this is great. This community is fantastic. Aren't you excited about what God is doing at Hatfield? There's something happening here. I'm not sure what it is, but I know God is stirring the poikikos, I can tell you, and and it smells great. God is stirring something here among us. I'm excited. I'm privileged to be a part of this community, and you should be too. So I would say, don't miss out on anything. Don't miss out on Forge and Heartbeat tomorrow night. Don't miss out on the prayer and worship evening on Wednesday night. Don't miss out on the um, community groups that we have. Just wherever you can, wherever you feel God is having you plug into, you must know that there's a greater purpose for who you are and what God has called you to. And as I look out On this congregation tonight, I see people, I know some of you, but I see people that reach to so many different spheres of influence, so many different places that I would never be or or could maybe even never go. But God has called you into those spheres of influence, and God has called you here to come and, as Jill said, connect God has called you here to come and uh, be equipped and trained for the ministry that he has for you. And wherever you are, in whatever that place is, God wants you to bring about his kingdom of heaven on earth. I always joke with, uh, with the worship team uh, and uh, these fantastic guys. I always joke with them. I say, you know... I've just had about enough earth on earth. I want some heaven on earth, you know. And, and scripture's amazing. Scripture kind of like opens it up to us. 
Scripture says um, that we are ambassadors. Scripture says the Holy Spirit is a down payment, a deposit. Nice wording of the things of heaven. And so I want to encourage you, become an ambassador, become an open door for wherever you are, the presence of God to kind of flow in and flow out and do what he wants to do. Amen. Do we have a group of people here that say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, while, um, while Chris and the team was singing that song, Waymaker, I just experienced like just a, a um, I would say, uh, a gift of faith enter in the room here tonight. I don't know if anybody experienced that. But, you know, uh, like I think tonight... Uh, and the, the, the title of the sermon that, 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 that I'm busy speaking on is No Worries, um, which uh, Pastor Louis ministered on this morning. And um, yeah, no worries, man. And so just while we're singing that Waymaker song, I sense just like a heavenly no worries, guys, of what God is doing, what he's going to do. You know, as you sing those words, and we sang them over and over. Why would we sing them over and over? Because God is working and he's doing stuff in our lives. He's working into the very uh, cracks and crevices of your heart. How many of you uh, were last Sunday when Pastor Louis was speaking? I mean, he was speaking about how God wants that deepest, darkest part of your heart, the room that you don't open. That's actually the room he wants to be in. And I feel like with this topic uh, on no worries, it's like God wants that area in your life. How many of you here sitting tonight can say, no man, I don't worry about a thing, man. How many? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard the song, you know, so you could think of, so uh, who sang that? Was it Robbie? Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, what were you singing? Let's hear it. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Thanks, Robbie. So that was, of course, our, our brother, Bob Marley, who sang that song. Thanks, Robbie. Hey, man. <laughs> every little thing is going to be all right. Eh? The three little birds. Okay. Wow. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know if this is appropriate, but uh, you know, if I think of that song, I think of the movie I Am Legend, which is a bit, bit hectic. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm not saying you need to go and watch that movie, but I'm saying it gives you a good perspective on every little thing's going to be all right, you know. Uh, and then, of course, um, what's, what's another worry song? Akuna Matata. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Who said that? Was it Stephen? <laughs> Stephen, you're speaking quite high these days. Akuna <laughs> Matata. Yeah, no need to worry for the rest of our days. Wow. Any other worry songs? Yeah, it has to be. Come on, eh? Huh? Yes, you want me to sing? Anything. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. There's some great lyrics in that song. He sings, um, In this life, you'll have some trouble. 
But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. <laughs> and of course, be happy. And then he even sings about uh, uh, when the landlord comes to get your rent and you're late, don't let him litigate, don't worry, be happy, and stuff like that. So he's, uh, he's seriously funny. So we're going to turn to a famous part of Scripture tonight, Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6 uh, is, uh, is uh, uh, some people might call it the hippie Scripture. So... Um, I know the hippie culture was a while ago, right? So the hippies was in the 70s. Okay, um, I don't think many of us in this room were alive in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Oh, there's a hand at the back. I see that hand. <laughs> Brother Mike is putting up his hand. So the hippie culture, you know, the hippie culture, they were, yeah, my parents were and probably still are hippies, you know. They really are hippies, you know, if if I see the old pictures and ah, just how they do things, just hanging out on the farm and just chilling and relaxing and, and you know, I, I think I also did a bit of that thing. When I went to university, I wasn't wearing shoes and I, and I had hair, I think, almost down to my waist, but it kind of grew a bit short in the meantime. So, you know, it's, so, uh, yeah, the, it, it wouldn't look great now, believe me. So, you know, torn jeans and, oh, well, torn jeans is back. So, you know, everything just recycles. And uh, so, so this scripture can be thought of as like, oh, just this hippie. We actually don't care about anything and it's just free and everything. But it's not that at all. So let's read um, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and let's start in verse 19. Um, any of you got a favorite, like, uh, translation of Scripture that you read? Or do you all read lots of translations? Or is there a specific one that you read? Anybody? The Passion. <laughs> As in, like, the Passion Translation, that one. <laughs> okay, there we go. NLT, New Living Translation. Anything else? ERV. What is the ERV, brother? Easy read version. Wow, man. <laughs> easy read version. Does anybody else read the easy read version? Jeez, I've never heard of it. Wow. Yeah, any, anything else? Amplified. Yeah, that, that's mine. Yeah, because, yeah. New, New King James. Hey, Amen. That's, that's hardcore. Yeah. And uh, you probably screamed a bunch and I didn't hear. But, there's a, but for, from tonight, for tonight, I want to use the Passion Translation. It's not a translation that uh, I read a whole lot of. Um, and it's actually not really a translation. I think it's like what uh, people cleverer than me called uh, transliteration. Um, that was a joke. Yeah, people cleverer than me. But anyway. Wow. There's something in this, in this translation. There's some really good stuff. So let's read. Uh, 19. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. 
your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Look, in this world, everything devalues eventually. But what he's saying there, what is primary? What's really important? What's really important to you? What do you really treasure? And so uh, what Jesus is saying there is like where, where you gaze in, where you put in your focus is really where treasure is. It's not like uh, my treasure is in this place and so uh, I'm not drawn there. You are always drawn to the place where you have passion and treasure for things. He goes on to say in verse 22, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. Think of that for a second. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter your being. If your heart is unclouded, the lights the light floods in. But if your heart, if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? I, as I look at that, it's like he's saying, you know, the love for these things, the love for money, clouds your judgment. Now, let, let me just qualify. Uh, God is saying, he's, he's not saying, you must be poor and you must be starving. Because if you read through scripture, there are, through the whole of scripture, just bunches of scripture and testimony in scripture of God delighting in us being prosperous. And actually God commanding us to be prosperous. So this is not what he's talking about. He's not saying that, that you know, uh, you, you cannot have money. But he says the love of money clouds your judgment. And if you think about that in terms of what you're going for, it's like, it's like we tend to eat the junk food that the world kind of is offering up to us. You know, when, um, when, when you have the opportunity to eat of really good, wholesome, healthy things, and then we still say, no, we're going to go back to this. Where God is saying, I've got something so wholesome for you, so fulfilling for you, that if you eat of that, if you focus on that, if your gaze is on that, I'm going to fulfill you and I'm going to make you whole. And I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for you. And so... You know, this, this whole idea of worry and fear, they, they live together. I mean, if I, I would be lying if I said, no, I'd never worry about a thing because every little thing's going to be all right, you know. But I have allowed the Lord to work in my life. And I want you to allow the Lord. This is the essence. It's surrender. Allow him to work in your life where you Maybe your circumstances don't even change. I think that's really the key. It's like your circumstances maybe have not changed at all, but you have such an anxiety-free attitude towards it. Because if you have an anxiety-free attitude towards it, it shows where your treasure is. Where are you putting your trust? 
In who are you putting your trust? Now, what are the things you worry about? I mean, we can just shout out a bunch of things. But here he's speaking specifically to our lives. He says, what you to eat, what you to wear, where you to live, you know? So he, he goes on to verse 24. He says, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. Remember I said worry and fear, they play into each other. I don't know if you're aware of that acronym of fear, false evidence appearing real. And sometimes it could be just facts appearing real, you know, factual evidence appearing real. The fact is, hey man, ain't got the money to pay the rent this month, you know, pay my studies. Uh, maybe not even have some food in the house, you know. Uh, yeah, I'd love to get there, but sorry, I just don't have uh, transport money to get there. But as it appearing real, it's appearing as much greater and magnified way over and above the fact that God is faithful and he is full of faith. So Jesus is saying, and these are the words of Jesus. I mean, he's saying you cannot worship the true God while being enslaved to the God of money. God wants you to love him 100%. He wants all of you. Have you ever read that scripture in Revelation that says, I wish you were neither hot nor cold? Oh, he says, I wish you were. He says, just don't be lukewarm. And that's not a reference to my name, so I just want to make a, a disclaimer. Why would he say that? Wouldn't he want you to be lukewarm rather than cold when you're cold you know it you know that you're cold you know that you need a change you know that you need to put on a jersey or a jacket when you're lukewarm you are so comfortable absolutely comfortable in where you're at it's like hey um, yeah no lord sure anything that's why I say this is not the hippie scripture just whatever God says he wants all of you, 100% of you. I heard an analogy once, and it's a terrifying analogy. Uh, if for those gentlemen who are married in this room, it's a terrifying one. Imagine I said to my wife, imagine I said to Ange, I said, Ange, um, I will love you 364 days of the year. I just want one day to put my love somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> the fear of the Lord just came into this room. It sounds crazy, right? I just want one, one day to fool around. Just one day. But baby, I'm yours 364 days of the year. So God is in exactly the same place. He says, I don't want, I mean, if you take, if you 
pop out your calculator and you take what is 364 out of 365, it's like 99.7%. Like, he doesn't want 99.7%. He wants 100%. He wants all of you. That doesn't mean, now that's my heart attitude. That doesn't mean I always live that out. Because I am living out my salvation every day of my life to the day that I meet him face to face. But my heart attitude is, God, I am chasing after you. I give myself to you 100%. In verse 25, he goes on to say, this is why I tell you, to never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food? Yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? God knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. I can give you testimony after testimony of God knowing exactly what I need. This week I had such a testimony. I, um, I, I'm uh, going to be traveling soon and uh, on one of these mission trips and I do take my guitar with me and my guitar case is smashed. It's, yeah, those who know the case, it's done for. It's held together, as my wife kindly reminds me, by cable ties. I cable tie everything to kind of keep it together. Uh, a week ago, we walk into a music store and there's a guitar case there. It's just beautiful. It's like the nicest guitar case I think I've ever seen. And on Tuesday, I get given that guitar case. He didn't know that that was the case that I actually like. Didn't even know that. He told me later that this is the case that he ordered from the shop. There was one left. You know, God knows the smallest details of your life. He's concerned with every detail. So you've got to trust him. You've got to lean into him. Talking about translations of the Bible, I love Amplified. Thank you, Chris. Uh, because it's loud. Yeah. And, you know, guitar players like to play loud. Hmm? Bongani. Um, Amplified says that faith is the leaning of your entire personality back into the Lord, relying completely on his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. You just think of those three aspects. You could lean back into God's power. But to lean back into his wisdom on top of that and then to sweeten and seal the deal, you're leaning back into his goodness. 
And this is what he's talking about here. He says he knows your needs, even the details. And he's really saying to you that just don't devalue yourself by worrying. There's a quote uh, by Arthur Summers Rache, and he says, Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Just think about that. And we know how worry starts, don't we? It's that little trickle, and eventually every other thought is channeled into that place. Verse 28, Jesus says, And why would you worry about your clothing? Ladies, no, he doesn't say ladies, he just says uh, question mark. Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burnt, won't he provide you, provide for you the clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Our fatigue, uh, Dale, Dale Carnegie, an uh, amazing uh, speaker and author, he says our fatigue is often caused not by work, but by worry, frustration, and resentment. So, I mean, if you, if you work at what's your passion, you, just, you don't count the hours, you just work. And you love it, and you're energized by it. But, your, but fatigue is not caused by work, but by worry, frustration, and resentment. And that's where we begin to procrastinate. And that's where we allow the enemy to come in and do some, some stuff in us. But I'll speak on that just now. We're going to get into just not allowing him into that place. I want to encourage you to... Go through your amazing word of God, the Bible. It's multidimensional. It's deeply personal. It's a relationship that you have with the Lord, and he speaks to you through the word. Go and find, I mean, there are so many scriptures on anxiety, on worry, on fear, and what the Lord says to you about it in your personal circumstance. I'll just give you one. Proverbs 25, uh, 12, 25. Anxious fear brings depression, but a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. Can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. A life-giving word. Where's the life-giving word? It's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. Uh, in our day and age, the information age, there is so much information out there. Right, you know this. It comes across your phone every single day, every single hour. We know what's happening from one side of the world to the next. It's reported and it's 
It's on the other side of the world, literally within seconds or minutes. There's so much information. There's so much grasping at your attention. You know it, don't you? You experience it. But I want to tell you, allow the Bible to grab your attention more than anything else. You will be challenged on it because I say to you, the enemy is telling you, just leave it on the shelf or don't open that app in your phone, the Bible app. Just don't because it's old. It's not hip. It's boring. And what can you really get out of it? Biggest lie ever. Biggest lie ever. Go to the word of God. Carrying on back into Jesus' words in verse 32 of Matthew 6, he says, For that is what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your body requires? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him then all these less important things will be given you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And just reminded me while we were praying uh, in the pre-service prayer, just around that, she just said it, and I was just like, I could see the image of the Red Sea, the Israelites up against the Red Sea. And sometimes we feel like that in our lives. We feel like, hey man, I've gone right to where I can go, and I can't go any further, and there's no option to me. There's no ways I can get out of this. There's no ways. That's the enemy speaking to you. And then God does a miracle, like opens the Red Sea. So Satan, he pushes us into a corner. You know, he says to you, you know, you're done. You're in so deep. You never get out. I'm telling you, I've had this in my life over and over. It's like reaching the edge of a cliff. It's like, okay, I, I'm done for. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. You know, I don't know how I'm going to pay this or pay that. Or be in this situation or that situation. And I can tell you, every single time I surrender that to the Lord, He comes through. And usually in ways that I didn't even think about. It's like if I go back and I try and analyze it, it's like I can't analyze it. He does something because I allowed Him into that space. And He makes a provision and He makes a way. And I, I don't know about you, but um, they're, they're those 3 a.m. sessions when you want to sleep and then your mind wakes you up. Hey, your mom. And then you, and it's like, why at 3 a.m.? I really need to sleep now. I want to sleep now. And, you know, you spiral into this flat spin of like, okay, I need to solve this now. You know when you, you know, if you get back to sleep and you wake up the next morning, you know you've solved nothing. You're like, oh, you can't solve it. 
It's because the enemy's coming and he's just like, oh, just spinning that thing around and around. You can solve nothing in that. My advice to you is get up, spend a couple of minutes praying, take out your Bible and say, cheers, China, I'm going back to bed. And the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you, I'm telling you, really, those those horrible 3 a.m. sessions. Francis Chan, he's, he like really challenges. He says, worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. Worship and worry cannot occupy the same space. When I say worship, I don't mean like music ministry only like tonight. I mean, tonight, you know, when we're singing that song, I can, I, I can just absolutely rest in the Lord. But I'm talking about worship as what you're doing in your heart to the Lord at 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. Just allow the Lord to do that. You know, the enemy's bringing in scare tactics, and he makes you doubt the goodness of God. That's why you've got to meditate on the goodness of God. You know, and he takes the smallest things and he makes a mole out of a, a mountain out of a molehill. Check, check this mole, Mount Everest. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's what the enemy does to us, you know. Just rest in the Lord. Allow the unforced rhythms of grace just to, to absolutely take you to that place where God wants to minister to you in those things. Nelson Mandela had a great quote. He says, it always seems impossible until it's done. It really does. seems impossible. You say, okay, Lord, until it's done. I'll tell you, it's not over. It's not done until God says it's done. It just isn't. And I've seen that in the world of sports over and over and over again. Have you seen, seen that in the world of sports? I mean... I am like the worst sportsman ever. But I can watch sports and I can go like, wow, man. One of the sports I like to watch is MotoGP, which is bike racing. Oh, those guys, yeah. So that picture of those two guys, the guy in front is a guy named Davizioso, and the guy just behind him is a guy named Marquez. Marquez, the guy behind him, is world champion for quite some years now. But this guy in front of him, of course, they're going over the line there at like 330 k's an hour. Um, but the guy in front of him uh, has, in the last season, pipped him over the line five times. But it doesn't look like that. Marquez is in front all the way. He's, as we call him, the sunset boy. He just rides off into the sunset. <laughs> and then somewhere along the line comes Davizioso, and he just, and you watch him, and it's like, okay, he's not going to make it. And then Suavari pops him over the line. You go like, how did that happen? I almost walked away from the, from the television set, you know. It's like, how does that happen? It's just not over till it's over. Another guy is Roger Federer. I mean, come on. 
In a Grand Slam, you, of course, they go to five sets. He's been down two sets, and he comes back and he wins. Down two sets, comes back and wins another three sets. He's done that in Grand Slam titles ten times. Ten times he's done that. When you go like, okay. And that's to people like Silic and Nadal and such people. Ten times he's done it. And then, of course, if you think of our own South African cricket team, the famous 434-438 match. You know, uh, Aussies go into bat, come out with 434. I watched some interviews with our, our Protea team. they in the, like, the change room at like, lunchtime. They're like, hey, man, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll just hand the cup to them. It's just like... It's over. It's done for. But who would know of what happened even to the very last ball that we came? And I mean, 434 for an ODI is just like, it was unheard of. And come back and 438 did it. Even in this week, my, uh, my son is, uh, is a captain of first team cricket. I taught him everything I know. And <laughs> Yeah, no, listen, he taught me cricket, believe me. And he said even in the, uh, Brad, Brad, Bradley's, yeah, yeah, Bradley's his coach, Coach Brad, yeah. Uh, he said they went and played and, like, they were, they were bowled out, like, what was it? They were bowled out for 99? Bowled the other team out for 45 in nine overs. The other team was two leagues above them. So I said, to, that was this week. So I said to him, uh, so tell me, when you guys were bowled out, I mean, like, what did you think? I said, oh, no, we, we, we were not good, we blah, blah, blah. So we didn't think we'd win. And there they won. That's the world of sport. So I must tell you, in the world of the spirit realm, where you and I live, by the way. You and I live in the spirit realm. We might be seated here in the minor auditorium tonight, but we are resting and seated in heavenly places. And from that place, God is saying to you, it's never over till it's over. Don't worry about a thing because... Yes, man. Come on, guys. You're fantastic. So God is just astounds me. He amazes me. So I want to give you guys a bit of a, an antidote as in closing, just around how you deal with this worry. And then I'd love to pray and, and, uh, and have some music ministry as we just like, push into the Lord tonight. So antidote, number one, meditate on the Lord's goodness. The more you search out his character and nature in the scripture, the greater clarity you get about who he is. My heart attitude towards the Lord has changed when I've done this consistently. And it helps give you perspective for tough times and journeys. Meditate on his goodness. You have to be convinced that the Lord is good. You'll be challenged on it, won't you? 
I'm sure maybe many of us or all of us have, have said, why, my Lord? You know, why? Why, Lord? Why is this happening? I mean, heck, I, uh, I go to church on Sundays. I pay my tithes. Um, I gave a packet of Samis to the guy at the robot. Um, uh, just I helped this one out or that one or, you, you know, and why? That, that's the wrong question. The question, is, uh, the, the question is, Lord, I might not understand, but what I'm saying to you is, I'm trusting you. I know that you're good. I know that you're taking even the wrestling and the challenges that I'm facing, you're taking those and you're bringing those into good for me. Because you don't see the whole journey. He does, right? He doesn't live in time like you and I do. He lives out of time. Another dimension. The eternal realm. Which is where our spirits live. So allow that eternal realm to speak into this realm. As opposed to always the other way around. Number two, have an attitude of gratitude. Famous scripture, Psalm, uh, of Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, don't be pulled into different directions or worried about a thing. There it is. <laughs> okay. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. It says all that stuff with thanksgiving. Tell him every detail of your life and then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Man, be thankful for the breath in your lungs. Be thankful for the clothes that you, be, be thankful for every small thing that God has given to you. It's attractive to him, by the way. In the spirit, he goes, oh, well, cool. Yeah, have some more. Even be thankful for the tough times. Because we know God is disciplining us. Why? For our certain good. Doesn't mean we like it at the time, but he's disciplining us. Number three, live a generous life. Not just your money, your time, your resources, your heart. If you want apples, sow some apple seeds, man. You want guitars, sow some guitars, man. You want a car, sow a car. So a wheel, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen it in my life. I'm telling you, I've sewed a car, I've been given a car. I've sewed guitars, I've been given guitars, and so much more. It's just like I've seen over and over and over how the Lord has blessed me. I, uh, and there's, there's nothing favorite about me. I mean, I go through challenges like every single one of you. I sit in places where I go like, just, I don't know. I really don't know. So this is not me as in speaking to you like, yeah, I got it all together. I am going through challenges like you are in all of these things. But I want to tell you that God is faithful to us. We need to press into him. We need to trust him. And then lastly, have a, have a victory or a testimony memorial. And my gorgeous wife reminded me of this. She took a thing where she was just uh, 
putting together things how the Lord has blessed us over the past few years, you know. And as we sat recounting those and remembering those, you go like, I cannot believe this list. Because we forget, and the enemy wants us to forget, believe me. We forget how good God is. You think, oh, it's just going so bad with me. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a worm. I'm just a miserable worm. I, like nothing's happening. Nothing's going on in my life. And then just, okay, just hold up. Okay. Any, any, can you recall any testimonies of God's goodness in the last week or month or years? And if you just go and write them down, you will see there's a bunch of them. How God has blessed you. That's a memorial wall. That's a victory wall. Victory memorial. That's your antidote. That's what you're putting forward. These are things of how you are pressing into God. And you're saying, God, I am not going to allow worry and anxiety to dictate how I live my life. So I want to pray for you this evening. I think this is a great place. I'm going to ask Chris and the, and the team to to just provide an atmosphere here tonight where we say, God, we're pushing into you. And of course, of course, we're in this place where, as Joel mentioned, you know, things about our country and things about this and things about that, uh, all sorts of worries and concerns. But I want to tell you, not one single person in this room is here by accident. You might be, you might not be South African by birth, but you're not here by accident. God has got you here because he wants you here. And for those of you who are born in this nation, you're born in this nation at this time, not by accident. You were not born in choose any nation you can think of around the world. In 1452, you were born in South Africa in this time. And do you think you're born in South Africa in this time and God is saying, hey, just sort it out yourself. He, this is such a delightful country to be in. Why? Because you're here. It's awesome. It's fantastic. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Not because standing is cool. It's much nicer to sit. But I want you to stand as a way of saying, God, just get your posture in a place of saying, God, I'm surrendering over to you. I'm surrendering my goodness. I'm, I'm surrendering to you, Lord, that I'm giving you preeminence of your goodness in my life. And so just allow the Spirit of God to minister to you in this place. Because that's the beauty that we have here. So I say thank you, Lord. I pray for every single person in this room. We bring before you every prayer, every concern, with thanksgiving, as Philippians says. With thanksgiving, we bring the concerns, the petitions, the special requests, the definite prayers before you. As we bring them before you, we say thank you, God. 
You are making a way for me. You are making a way for us. I can trust you. Your nature and your character, not over the last few years, but for all eternity, has shown that you are our provider, that you are good, that you know how to give us good things, that as we give our lives to you and we live with generous life, a life overflowing with generosity, God, you delight to see us prosper. You delight to see us blessed. And as we give our hearts over to you in just a time of worship, we say, thank you, Lord. Your grace is enough for us.